You are now listening to What the Health, a podcast dedicated to helping you navigate your way to better health. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 65 of What the Health. I'm your host, Lena Lahire, and today I am joined by special guest, Taryn Shank. Taryn is a holistic health coach with a passion for healing your relationship with food. After years of struggling with fad dieting, binge eating, and body image issues, she discovered her love for herself, and it has completely transformed her life. Thoughtfully Thriving is her coaching practice where she has helped thousands of women break free of dieting and restriction by showing them how to take back their power and tune in with their own body while forgetting the rest of the rules. She's a health nerd and loves cooking, cute cafes, and traveling. You can usually find her in her kitchen cooking up a delicious recipe, exploring all the local foodie spots Arizona has to offer, or traveling and hiking around beautiful Arizona. This episode is full of nuggets of wisdom. We talk about how to heal your relationship with food, what a healthy relationship with food looks like, how to enjoy food without being restrictive or being overly perfectionistic about our diet. She talks about some of the dangers of social media and how diet culture just continues to perpetuate and how to tune into your own body wisdom so you can figure out what the best diet for you is. So with all of that being said, let's get into today's show. All right, we are recording. Welcome to the show, Taryn. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, I'm so excited to have you as well. It's nice to see your face in real life. We get so used to seeing people on uh, on Instagram. I know it right? feels good to kind of connect virtually on zoom and all of that. I love it. hundred percent. So why don't we start the podcast off by you giving us a little bit about your background, how you got into this line of work and just about you. Yeah, sure. Um, well, my name is Taryn. I am a health coach. I was certified from Institute for integrative nutrition or IIN for short, if you're familiar with that. Um, and I got certified back in 2015. So it was quite a while ago that I took the leap to become a health coach. Um, but I've gone through lots of ebbs and flows of life and ups and downs since then, which was what, like seven years ago now. And I would say I really came to working on health coaching and doing this and being in this industry, health and wellness industry full-time about two years ago, around 2020 was when I really honed down and took everything full time. Um, I actually took the leap to quit my job in December of 2019 to take my health coaching business full-time because I was signing some clients. I was doing good. I was like part-time taking clients on the weekends at my lunch break and all that kind of stuff. And I thought it was ready to, I thought I was ready to get out of a toxic work environment and work for myself. Um, and then 2020 happened and it kind of uprooted all of our lives. So that was definitely quite an experience, but I'm happy to say I made it through. Um, and now my business is really thriving. And I think a lot of that might have to do with 2020 and people sitting around in their houses, kind of realizing their relationship with food isn't what they want it to be. And they're here stuck around all this food all the time. Um, so I think a lot of people started realizing there are some issues with their relationships with food and they were looking for help. So, um, my business really has been doing good since 
then, which is great, but yeah, that's kind of how I got where I'm at. Um, what really jolted me to go to IAN and really just made me take the leap to do that was, um, I actually dropped out of college because I had no idea what I was doing with my life. So I moved home for a year and I was just like, I'm going to do some soul searching and see what I want to do because I have no clue, even at 21 years old. Um, And I got really into working out and fitness and creating recipes and all of that kind of stuff. And I just was like, I started seeing results after eating a little bit healthier, like eating a turkey wrap rather than a McDonald's McDouble, right? So I started to feel a little bit better and see some results. Um, And I was working out in the gym. So that all kind of just came together. And I was like, I'm feeling so good. I never knew how good I could feel in my own body. I don't know how, but I have to help other people do the same thing. Um, and so I went off and looked for something that I could do in the health and wellness industry. And I actually came across this naturopathic doctor local to my community back home where I'm from in Michigan. Um, and she offered me an internship to work alongside her, um, cafe, which was like an organic cafe and alongside her naturopathic doctor and her clients and everything. So I worked with her for a year and it was one of the most amazing experiences of my whole life. And I learned so much and I was like, okay, now I need to become certified. I need to do this. I want to help people. And that's kind of how I found IAN and thought it was a perfect fit for me. Amazing. So do you find, and I find this with a lot of people who are in the health space, um, do you find that you were kind of pushed towards it through your own struggles? Absolutely. Um, I would say I was pushed towards it when I began to realize I have these results and I can feel so good in my body and I can change the way my body looks. And I just kind of became obsessed with that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I became obsessed with letting other people know and like wanting to help other people find that same result and find how good you can feel. Um, and then through that, I kind of gained a little bit or realized throughout my life, I had struggles with some disordered eating, like binge eating, for example, was something I really struggled with since I was like 15 years old. Um, and I didn't realize that was an issue until after I had done IIN and after I had done all these things, I kind of just realized like what was holding me back all the time was how I was so restrictive with my diet. And I was trying to be perfect with everything. I started dieting with my mom at 15 years old, doing the the egg diet where you eat like two hard boiled eggs a day. Um, the grapefruit diet, like all these crazy things. So very restrictive at a young age. Um, and I would find myself oftentimes like 15, 16, 17 years old, hiding in my bedroom, eating a bowl of cereal and putting it under my bed. So like, nobody would know I'm binge eating on this cereal all night long. Um, so when I realized that I had a problem with that, I was like, immediately tried to help myself. And I did overcome it with lots of tools and practice and everything. But I was like, I know so many other people are out there struggling with this same thing, really because of the diet culture and the perfectionism, the media portrays and wants us to have and be, um, that I knew that that's what I wanted to do is help people overcome what I had struggled with myself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's wonderful. Do you find that the predominant clientele that that's coming to you are are kind of women like that, that struggle with, um, maybe not eating disorders, but disordered eating behaviors. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the majority of my clients do have those disordered eating behaviors. And I help clients 
um, with the disordered eating around binging. I, I don't necessarily help people who have an actual eating disorder, um, because that's just not my scope of practice and that's not my place. And there are other professionals for that, but with the disordered eating with the disordered thoughts around eating, it's a little bit different. So I help girls, mostly women is who I help in my practice, um, who struggle with disordered thoughts orthorexia tendencies when they're trying to be perfect. Um, and then binge eating or overeating at night and not really understanding like why they're overeating. And I'm helping them find that void basically. Mm, mm. Oh yeah. So there's, there's a couple different places I want to go here. Um, why do you, when you have your clients, what's kind of the majority, what's the main reason that people tend to binge at night? Well, there's lots of different reasons, um, but the two reasons that I work with my clients are usually a lack of fuel, a lack of food during the day. A lot of people, young girls especially, are so restrictive. We have girls on 1200 calorie diets, working out, burning a thousand calories a day. And it is just so detrimental to your health. Your body is starving and screaming for fuel. So finally, when you get home and let your guard down and you're in a safe space, your body is like, give me the food. I want it all. And your mind isn't there to be present or mindful because of all the other things going on throughout the day and how we're not really present already with the food that we're eating and how we're treating our bodies. It kind of just is like, everything falls apart and lets loose and you just eat, eat, eat. And that's usually 90% of my clients. That's the issue. It's, it's not simple, but it almost is as simple as like, we need to be eating more food and fueling our bodies in the proper way. So we have enough satisfaction to get through the day without feeling ravenous and starving. Right. So that's a huge one, but also a lot of times it can come from not feeling emotions and like there's an emotional void there as well. So sometimes maybe you're eating enough food, maybe you feel great and you feel satisfied, but you're still binge eating at the end of the day. It's probably because you're not letting yourself feel what is coming up in your head and your thoughts and the scary emotions that none of us really want to feel right. But we have to feel them in order to process them and not to turn to other things like binge eating, for example, to fill that void. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like so, as a, as an escape using food exactly. as an escape. Yeah. And like, there's lots of different ways and different escapes that people use. Um, sometimes I almost say like binge eating can be an addiction. Cause like you're, that's what you're reaching for to fill that void instead of feeling your emotions. So yeah, definitely used as an escape from feeling those emotions. So mm-hmm. those are usually the two things that I deal with, with my clients. That's really interesting. You know, I studied eating psychology as well. Um, and I always forget about being under fueled because, uh, you know, like studying psychology, my mind just wants to go to, to psychological things, but sometimes it really is as simple as under fueling. It really is. And sometimes my clients, like my program for helping with disordered thoughts and stuff is three months. And sometimes at the two week mark, we add more food into their diet. That's all I'm about. I am always adding, 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 let's eat more. Let's eat more nutrient dense foods. Let's add more into our day and into our diet. And two weeks in, they're like, I don't even binge anymore. And I'm like, isn't that funny? (laughs) How, how much do you think people are really low on? Like, I I hate to use calories just as like some basic term, but for a lack of better terms, like how low, how deficient do you think people really are? 
I truly like, sadly, it, it hurts me to say this, but I think most people and most of the population are so deficient in calories getting enough and getting the proper calories to yeah. fuel their body too. Because I work with a lot of young women. I work with young women as young as 14 years old with their parents signing off and all of that. And then I work with women that are 45 years old and they're dealing with the exact same thing at every walk of life and every age, because really like diet culture and the media, it just always screaming at us to eat less, be skinny, work out more, show up. Perfect. Do everything. Perfect. Oh, here's a new diet this week. We just had one last week, but we're going to change it up on you. And everyone is like, so confused with how to achieve health because it's confusing. We're getting so many different things thrown at us. So I think a lot of people are just so confused and they're trying to listen to like the media and the diet culture, even the wellness space. Um, and a lot of times people in those spaces aren't giving the best advice because yeah, you can eat 1200 calories and you can work out seven days a week and you're going to lose weight. That's absolutely going to happen but one that's not sustainable or healthy in any way. And so I think a lot of people are just looking for a quick fix naturally that we're human um, and they're not realizing the effects that it can have long-term. And then when they get in these ruts, like after six months of under eating, they're like, okay, now I'm gaining weight. Like I'm not seeing any results. This isn't working. And people are really realizing it's not working after a while, I think, but I sadly think a lot of people are dealing with the under eating and the restrictive of calories mm. or even like overeating, but being malnourished, right? Cause there's a, another subset, which I'm sure you deal with, with your older clients. Maybe some of them have, do have legitimate weight to lose, but they're, like you said, they're still kind of under fueling Absolutely. themselves in, yeah. in a nutrient sense. Can you like, just touch on that a bit? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I definitely have some clients like that. And I think what can happen there too, is people are getting so wrapped up in the calorie counting and the importance of restricting calories that they begin to go for things like a hundred calorie snack packs. Okay. Like I'm going to eat this hundred calorie snack pack goldfish. And then for lunch, I'm going to have no carbs. So we're going to do a hundred calories of jerky and, um, a salad, right? Okay. Then dinner, we feel crazy. We're going to overeat, but it's because they're not getting nutrient dense calories to satisfy their body, to satisfy their blood sugar, to satisfy their hormones. So nothing's going to work inside the body. If we're not filling ourselves up with nutrient dense calories, and even those clients have their whole lives have been doing that calorie restriction and the hundred calorie snack packs and all of that. And over time, that's not going to help you lose weight. It's only going to kind of stir up dysbiosis inside of your body. So it's not going to be able to work properly, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah, for sure. It's like you said, you know, if you do that long enough, you will lose weight, but it's almost like stealing from Peter to pay Paul, right? Like you're going to pay for it later on. Absolutely. Yes. Almost Especially with your... Life with your hormones, whether, you know, it's, it's a loss of a menstrual cycle, or, you know, if you're in menopause, that's going to mess you up something fierce. So when you have a client come to you that has a really disordered relationship with food, where would you start? Yeah. So usually the first place that I start with every single client is building awareness on what is going on with their relationship with food. I think that is a key aspect. If we do not have awareness on why you're taking these actions, why you're overeating, why you're under eating, why you have these thoughts in your head, then we're not going to ever be able to change it 
long-term, right? So I think awareness is a super important part. Um, and once we build that awareness, that's when I kind of teach my clients to tune into not what the diet culture and the media is saying, but tune into what your body is saying. Once we're aware, we can build more awareness on what is going on in our body. And then we can begin to become more intuitive, which takes a lot of work, but awareness is always the first step into kind of getting clients to become more intuitive with their choices, thoughts, decisions, actions, all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, and intuitive eating is really interesting. I'm an absolute, you know, big proponent of intuitive eating, but it, it's almost like some people have taken intuitive eating and made it into kind of like this, this diet culture in and of itself, or it's like intuitive eating means you just eat a bunch of junk. And that's also not what you're saying. Is it? Totally. Yeah. I think there is two ends of the spectrum there. And I think that kind of goes back to a lot of people view health and wellness as black and white. Like it has to be one thing or the other. And I do not agree with that whatsoever. I think everything is so gray because I believe every person is so unique and individual and they have different needs and everyone is just so different. So I think that really, when it comes to intuitive eating, my approach is let's make your body your best friend again. Remember when you were a child and you just ate what you wanted to eat and you felt good doing it, you were intuitive. You were in tune with your body. You were your best friend. Um, and I think that just trying to achieve that again and become your best friend with your body and fuel it how it wants to be fueled is the goal. It's not necessarily like give up all the healthy things and intuitively eat the bad things because you were afraid to eat them before. And it's not turning it into a diet. It it looks different for every person, but I think the bottom line is becoming best friends with yourself again. I love that. Yeah. I really love that because we just have, you know, especially women, I know men do as well. Um, I worked in the fitness industry for 10 years. Like I can't tell you how many men I've seen with such a dysfunctional relationship with their body. Um, yeah, it's, it's eye-watering actually. Um, but women, like we're, we just like, we kind of hate ourselves, don't we? Yes. Yes. And it's so sad to see. And it's like, it's, it goes back again to the media and the diet and they just, our whole lives, all we've ever watched is okay. Be this. All right. Now we're changing it to be something different and we can never achieve what they want us to achieve. So we think we're less adequate and we're not worthy and we need to change ourselves constantly to achieve this perfection or something. And it is, it's so sad to see. So sad. Mm, And you know, like food is also so intimate is what keeps us alive. And, and, you know, when someone, if you say this food is bad, sometimes they just hear I'm a bad person for eating it. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think it's very important to dissociate the thoughts of a food being bad or good when you're kind of dealing with disordered thoughts around eating. Not everyone needs to do that because not everyone deals with the disordered thoughts, but yeah, just saying like, Oh, that's a bad food that can be detrimental to your mental health and your view on yourself. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. In your opinion though, because we do have an obesity epidemic, do you think there are bad foods? I that's, that's a great question, but it's a hard one to answer because I am very much an advocate for 
there is no good and bad. And I don't want to tell my clients and I don't want to tell my communities like this is a bad food. Don't eat that. But I do 100% so passionately believe that there are foods that are going to support and fuel your body and its functions and your organs and your hormones and keep you healthy longer and boost immunity and all of that kind of stuff. And I believe there are also foods that are not going to do that. And they're going to do the direct opposite and actually harm your health. If you're consuming too much of them over time, do you, should you be fearful of those foods? Absolutely not. That's why I do not like to say there's good and bad. Um, because there's not, there's just food and there's food that's supportive of your body. And there's food that sometimes is supportive of your soul and it brings you joy, but that doesn't mean that it's necessarily bad mm-hmm. in my opinion. Yeah. 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 We share very much the same philosophy. I think language is, um, it's so powerful that we do have to be careful. And there's lots of people they're like, I can't believe people will say there's no good and bad foods. But what, what I hear you saying is it's not about the label. It's about the intent behind the label. Yes. A hundred percent completely because that in that with intuitive eating, it's like all foods are allowed. That's the whole point of it. You need to stop thinking good and bad and just allow yourself to make the choice for what you want. Um, yeah, I, I agree completely. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I take it. You're not like on the gluten-free train, dairy-free train, all of the, the free trains. Are there foods that you personally think are worse for people than, you know, not like the most obvious, like the ultra processed foods, but do you think there are some, you know, healthier foods that maybe some people don't get on with more than others? Um, like healthier foods or healthier foods that aren't like as great for people. I mean, personally, I I have some vendetta against oats. (laughs) I am like not a fan of oats really. And I'm not saying they're bad. I'm not saying people should not be eating them, but I don't really think they're beneficial. And I don't really get the trend of the oat milk and let's do oats for breakfast and oat milk coffee. I think that's a lot of oats. Um, and, and now going into like nutrition and stuff like oats when our, their crops are heavily sprayed with pesticides. So like, that's a lot of chemicals. That's a lot of toxins. Um, and I just don't like them that much. So also I think it even goes back to blood sugar. A lot of my clients will eat oats for breakfast. And when we swap it out for something savory, like some avocado and some eggs and sweet potato, they're binging tendencies and urges to overeat go away because the oats aren't really supportive of their body, if that makes sense. So not saying they're bad. I just do not think oats really work for everyone. And I wouldn't even really consider them a health food in my personal opinion. That's fascinating. I'm also not on the oat train. I used (laughs) to be like hardcore. Um, and I realized that I felt terrible after I ate them, but I do have a a wheat sensitivity. I don't think it's gluten. I do know it's wheat because I can't have wheat. Uh, And sometimes there's some molecular mimicry going on with oats and wheat Mm -hmm. that, and and like you said, blood sugar, like oats are so like detrimental for your blood sugar sometimes, not for everyone, but for some people. And not always too, like it could not always too. Things can be changing. Like sometimes oats aren't going to be the right choice for you, but you know what? Maybe a later time in life they will be. So that's also the cool part about intuitive eating and learning how to build awareness and tune into your body is it can be ever changing. There's no rules around it, which is my favorite part. Yeah. 
Yeah. Love that. Let's switch gears a little bit to orthorexia. We talked a little bit about before uh, we started recording, you know, I find that this has become pretty prevalent. It probably always was, but with the advent of social media, do you find that orthorexia is a big problem? Oh yeah, it is. Absolutely. Um, and like going back to your point where you just said, Oh, I figure you don't do the gluten-free train and the dairy-free train and all of that. Well, no longer. Absolutely not. But when I was struggling with orthorexia, I absolutely was gluten-free and dairy-free and sugar-free and carb-free. And, you know, I've had a very limited choices of food with, um, orthorexia tendencies. And I think it's definitely a problem because it's, it's like having the perfect diet. Basically orthorexia is like restriction of the bad quote unquote air quotes, bad food. And you're only fueling yourself with quote unquote good foods. Um, and I think it's a big problem because it it's like trying for perfection. And then if you mess up, you're restricting yourself and you're going down this downward spiral and this downward cycle where you're basically starving yourself, at least in my experience, just because you ate an imperfect food. Um, I think it also goes back to mental health too. I almost think the orthorexia tendencies and when people struggle with orthorexia, it's worse on your mental health. And I know this from experience because I lived a life of constant guilt and shame where I hated myself if I ate a banana, literally, if I ate a banana because I thought it was too high in carbs and sugar, I would beat myself up mentally terribly. And I would feel so much guilt and shame. And I would carry that with me through my days. And it was detrimental to my entire body. Just terrible. Mm-hmm. Well, we know, you know, the, the brain controls everything, right? It's like, if you get butterflies in your stomach or, you know, like some people get nervous and they have to run into the bathroom, right? Like our mental health is just everything. Um, so yeah, that's, that's very true. I have noticed that with social media, there's some, it's almost like, a, and you can tell me if you agree, there's a fine line between like people wanting to coach people to be healthy, but then there's that slippery slope where it's almost like, yeah, but it, you have to do this to be yeah. healthy. Yeah. I think it can be really hard with social media too, because it's just such, it's all like hard concept because there's people out there on social media speaking to people that are meant to receive the message mm-hmm. and they're in the right mental space to receive a message, but there's more people receiving that message that aren't in the right mental space to receive that message. And that's not necessarily our fault. That's just where it becomes hard with social media. And it can be detrimental because there could be like a gut health coach on social media saying like, don't eat sugar, don't eat gluten, don't eat hydrogenated oils. Like those are terrible for your health and you should avoid them at all costs. If you want to improve your gut health, which is absolutely true. But if there's a girl trying to lose weight and she wants to be on a 1200 calorie diet to her, she's going to take that differently. Like I, I'm a bad person. If I eat those foods, those are never allowed. And I'm going to feel guilt and shame if I consume those foods, but to the person that was supposed to receive the message, they'll think like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like I can have that moderation, but I should definitely be avoiding that. Or maybe for a short period of time, I'm on a little, um, elimination diet, but I'm just going to get back to it. It's not restrictive. You know what I mean? Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Yeah. It a hundred percent. Yeah. You explained that wonderfully. Um, or even like someone who needs to gain weight, 
can hear that information and think I can eat those foods, but it's like, no, you actually need to eat those foods. Yeah. So social media is a hard game because there's just so much information out there and not everyone is meant to receive all the information and it can just be a really toxic game. Um, and I think it's really important for the eye of the viewer to be careful of what they're viewing. And if they are viewing stuff like that, I think it's important when they're not in the right mental space to like mute and stop viewing that, but not everyone really realizes that. And that's when it becomes a problem. And the girls and men also viewing, you know, the orthorexia or like the gut health lady, like I was explaining, like if there's somebody with gut health, like the girls who are in the wrong space to view that it will turn into orthorexia tendencies. Mm, mm. You know, that's really interesting. I never thought about like not every message is for you. Um, and I even find myself, I can slip into those tendencies pretty easy. If the more time I spend on social media, just being transparent, right? Like it can be, it's almost like people depended on the vaccine to live over COVID. But then there's also another group of people that depended on not getting the vaccine. And I don't care either or, Mm -hmm. um, but now they're so hell bent on like no sugar, no seed oils, no, this it's like, this is going to save your life forever. And that's not actually guaranteed. Oh yeah, exactly. Yeah. And everyone's so individual too. So nothing can, yeah. It's just like, nothing is really guaranteed for everyone. Like Mm -hmm. the no sugar, some people need sugar, you know, some people don't like some people need the vaccine. Some people don't, nothing is the same for everyone. And that's where it gets tough on social media because some people are preaching the same to everyone. And also if they're not, the viewer might take it as that. Mm. And and do you think that's more like people just having a tendency to kind of swing from extremes? Like, do you think social media is just kind of like portraying extremes? Um, in some cases, I definitely do think so for sure. I've, I do know some accounts that are like that. Um, and I think they can become detrimental for the exact reasons we're talking about to a lot of people, because I don't, I don't personally like extremes. That's where it becomes restrictive. That's where it becomes like orthorexia. That's where it becomes diety. Um, I like just to listen to your body and what it wants. You don't have to be extreme with anything because extreme is going to keep you from keeping something sustainable. It'll never be sustainable if you have to meet these extreme goals that are Mm -hmm. probably unrealistic. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think you do a wonderful job with that on your page. Um, The content that you post, I think is very moderate and balanced Um, so I, I definitely appreciate your page, especially, um, looking at it from nutrition because you do post, it's not like you're saying just eat junk food all the time. Like you post super healthy, nutritious meals, you post balance. I like, I like it from a mental health standpoint, um, because I think it, it aids in mental health. So you do a wonderful job with that. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Appreciate that. I try hard because it is I am in a hard space. I am speaking to girls who are struggling with their relationship with food and think of foods as good and bad, but I'm also speaking to people and teaching them how to fuel your body with proper nutrients. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't have to be one or the other. Both of those things can coexist and sometimes getting the messaging out for either or can be a little tough. So I appreciate that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. What what do you think is the main reason that people have 
lost the ability to tune into their body wisdom? Oh, I think there's lots of reasons that go behind that. I think one of the reasons is we live in a crazy day and age where we're go, 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 do, do, do. You wake up, you go to your work, you work all day, you drive home, you make dinner, you sit on the couch. Who's checking in with our body, right? We don't really have time for that. So I think the busyness of our culture is something that really is taking away people from being in tune with themselves. Um, But I also think that people just listening to other people for a quick fix, like, oh, do this and you'll lose five pounds. Oh, do this and your hormones will be balanced. Oh, do this and this. And it's like, listen, take that with a grain of salt, maybe try it, but that doesn't have to be your end all be all. And I think that people just think that, okay, I heard this person online say this, so I'm not going to listen to my body. I'm going to listen to them because they said it works and it worked for them. And they're not in tune with if it actually is going to work for them. So I always like to say, like, take things you see online with a grain of salt, even the things that I post, like use it or don't, I'm not telling you, you need to be just like me. I think it's important to really tune in and know if this is going to work for you because we are all so different, but then wrapping back, I think it's also really important to build mindfulness into your days and do things that are kind of filling up your own cup, because a lot of people are running around in today's day and age, not doing anything for themselves, not even thinking about themselves really Mm -hmm. either. So I think it's important to build some mindfulness there too. Mm -hmm. What would you say your pillars of health are? Oh, that's a really great question. Um, I feel like my pillar of health is, I feel like balance, but I also feel like it's the word I'm looking for, like ever changing. I don't, that's not necessarily the word I'm looking for, but I think having a balanced lifestyle full of freedom where you're not afraid to go out to dinner with your friends and eat some pizza, but you also understand that you want to fuel your body in a proper way to support your functions. I think that having that balance is a pillar of health for me. And I think those are super important things, but I think it's also important to allow change there and allow your diet and your lifestyle and your workout routine and your mental health and your morning routine and all of that to change when it, when it needs to, even your body may change. And I think accepting that is really a pillar of health because that's life. It's always ebbing, ebbing and flowing. It's always up and down and being able to accept the moments when things are changing is really important for a sustainable, healthy lifestyle. In my opinion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Really love that. Really love that. It is so important because that is the, the one constant we have in life is net change. Right. (laughs) right. It's always changing. And I think a lot of people get caught up on like, Oh, I just gained two pounds. Like, okay, let's go restrict. And it's like, that's okay. You know, maybe your, your water weight is up a little bit. Maybe you're going to start your period. Like, let's just accept what is and do the best we can moving forward. Um, I think that's important. That, that brings me to a really interesting point. Um, what are your views on weighing yourself? Um, I personally, am not a huge fan of the, of the scale. I don't think it really matters to be honest. Like I will weigh myself sometimes to check in, but that's because it does not trigger me to see five pounds heavier or five pounds lighter. 
Um, and if you're in that space where you're just curious and it's not going to trigger you, that's do it. Absolutely. That's totally fine. As long as you're not seeing the number on the scale and then thinking like, oh my gosh, I need to starve myself for a full week to lose this weight before I go on vacation and be in a bikini or something like that. Um, but I'm not really a huge fan. I am a fan of listening to your body and how it feels and feeling how you feel inside your body. Cause that's way more important than a number. Like it doesn't matter what the number says. It matters how you feel internally and how you feel in your body. And I think even I would rather go off, how are your clothes fitting? You know, like, do you feel good in your clothes or if they're getting a little tight, maybe that's something to build awareness upon or buy some new clothes that fit you better, you know? So I don't think that the scale is always a beneficial tool really in most cases. Yeah. Yeah. I I'd have to agree. I think it, it's really dependent do you work with a lot of men or is it just women? I work with like 99% women. The men I work with are not, they're more so accountability um, clients, not dealing with these disordered thoughts and stuff like that. And there could be many reasons for that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always found with men, like weighing themselves was never a problem. Giving them like an eating plan was never a problem. They like thrived off of it. Yeah. very like they're okay to be regimented. But then I've also worked with men that, um, that weren't okay with it, that also had really unhealthy relationships with food. So yeah, it's so individual. Yeah. And I know that's out there. I know men struggle, but I almost feel like it's more kept quiet. Like, I don't think they talk about it. Not that I think women talk about it either, but I think women are, are more like to, likely to reach out for help rather than men. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, I could just keep talking to you for <laughs> hours and hours. I mean, you have so much knowledge. I can tell how passionate you are about really helping people heal their relationship with food, which I think is needed more than ever these days. Um, but I always like to finish the podcast with some fun questions. So I'm going to do a little quick fire round for you for fun right, questions. <laughs> if you were stranded on a desert island and could only pick one food to eat for the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh my gosh. That's so hard. I think I would probably pick avocados. I love avocados. Um, and I assume they'd be growing on the trees. So yeah, I think that's what I'd stick with. It could also be a combination. Like some people say tacos. So it could be like a, like a combination of food, but like one, one thing. Wow. Oh my gosh. I still think avocados. I, okay. If it was a combination, I'd bring my breakfast, my eggs, and my avocado and some sweet potatoes. And that's what I'd have every single day, balance my blood sugar, keep my body fueled. And it tastes delicious. <laughs> I, that's like, it's so funny. We're kindred spirits. That's what I eat for breakfast as well. Sometimes I'll, I'll like, I'll do rice instead of sweet potatoes and I'll, I'll switch, I'll switch that, but <laughs> sometimes are bagels, but I, there is something about sweet potatoes and egg yolk together. Oh. It's amazing. <laughs> It's amazing. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> what is the best meal you've ever eaten? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> can I say my breakfast? Yeah. <laughs> no, honestly, I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not one to like love certain like Italian food or Mexican food. I'm not like big on that. I just, I, I guess I like more American food, like salads and sandwiches and stuff like that, but I don't they're not my favorite meals. I don't know. Breakfast is my favorite meal. It just like brings me happiness. It lights me up. It makes me feel satisfied. It makes me feel good. I crave it every single day. I honestly think my breakfast was sweet potatoes, 
and avocado and fried egg with the yolk runny and then maybe a little bit of a organic cream cheese in there. Amazing. I was just going to say like, can you need to explain what you have for breakfast because you're making me wonder what it's it is. So good. Yeah. Just make sure the yolk is not fully cooked through. And then I like to do sweet potato, like cut and fries, like cut like that and literally dip it in the yolk. It's so good. <laughs> oh, wow. That would be good. So you just fry the egg. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just like get the skillet nice and hot for about three to five minutes, warm it up with some oil. And then once it's hot, you'll crack the egg on and the egg will like immediately start to cook. Cause, cause the skillet is hot, leave it there for like three to five minutes and then add it on top of your sweet potato. Maybe put some cream cheese in between a little mm-hmm. avocado on top. I just, that's like my favorite food. <laughs> and it's like nice and like, it's got all the healthy fats. So you're probably not hungry until lunch. Yeah, no, it keeps me very satisfied. And then I usually, I love Bulletproof coffee too. I've been drinking that for like eight years. So that keeps me nice and satisfied as well with all the grass-fed butter and the oils in there too. Interesting. I, I, I'll get back to questions. How much um, butter do you put in your Bulletproof coffee? A tablespoon. Usually. A tablespoon. Okay. Yeah. Cause like I've been, I've been thinking about doing Bulletproof coffee. It's- why do you, why do you love it? I love it because it actually gives me sustainable energy. Like it's science backed with the fats and everything like that. The, um, caffeine is like released slower into your bloodstream. So you're not getting like that spike and crash and feeling that two o'clock crash. Um, I never feel that I used to be addicted to coffee and I felt that all the time. And when I started doing bulletproof, I just felt so satisfied and like just a consistent stream of energy and back in my orthorexia days, I, I fasted and I used it. I used my bulletproof coffee as breakfast, but I wouldn't recommend that. (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Do you add MCT oil to it as well? I do MCT and then collagen when I have it on hand. Amazing. If you're, if you're just starting out with, just do like a half of a tablespoon of butter just to see how you like it. And you can always add more. Yeah. I mean, it tastes amazing, uh, but I, I have thought about bringing it back in more for like hormones, just get some extra fats in. Yeah. I love my healthy fats. That's, that's my favorite. Yeah. Yeah. What's your least favorite food? Oh my cottage cheese. Easy. It's probably the only food I don't like is cottage cheese. And that's because actually it's funny. We have a mutual friend, Vanessa, and she has really been an advocate and like trying to get me to incorporate like raw milk back into my life. And I'm so on board. I I see the benefit. I want it. I want to do it. Um, but I have like a trauma with milk, like spoiled milk specifically from when I was younger. I think I just, well, we won't talk about it, but I have a trauma there and it's like the clumpiness of the cottage cheese just makes me ill. Oh yeah. And and I, I, I've been trying to do the whole milk, but, uh, it's, it's hard because I think of the cottage cheese and I think of spoiled milk and just not a good situation. (laughs) Can you get raw milk in the U S uh, yes you can. There's some States that are, that don't like allow it, but Arizona does. And I know California does as well. Yeah. You can't get it here. Really? Where are you? Canada. Oh, you're in Canada. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yes. Actually, I did know that for some reason I thought you were in Colorado. I don't know why I thought that. No. Um, but yeah, that is interesting. I did know that we can get it here. So if you ever come. Yeah. Come. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I knew someone who used to <laughs> it from a back alley there's a cooler he'd like have to drive to this back alley and go pick up his raw milk because it's illegal (laughs) that is awesome I'd do that too if I had to well I need to get used to drinking it first but I know it's it's has lots of health benefits and yeah 
I wish I wouldn't have cut it out of my life for 10 years. <laughs> I mean, you could also do colostrum powder and add it to a smoothie. Okay. I could try that. I could try that. You know, what's interesting. I love kefir, raw mm-hmm. kefir. Yep. Love it. But I think it's like the tanginess makes me feel like it's a smoothie or something. Yeah. I feel like you could get pretty much the same health benefits from kefir than raw milk. If you like really hate raw milk. Yeah. So that's what I try to do is supplement the raw kefir instead. (laughs) Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. That's, that's crazy. It's legal there. What (laughs) is your, what is your favorite restaurant? Ooh, my favorite restaurant. Um, we are very spoiled out here in Arizona. Um, we have a lot of amazing restaurants with like a lot of healthy options or balanced options per se versus where I'm from Midwest, Michigan, Indiana, that area, if you're familiar Uh, most restaurants just have like fried food, right? So lots of options that I enjoy better here. And I would say there's two restaurants out here called Buck and Ryder and then Chelsea's Kitchen. And they're nothing like crazy extravagant. They're just kind of like local neighborhood spots and they're amazing. They have the best drinks. They have the best food. They have the best appetizers. Buck and Ryder um, has like a raw sushi or raw fish bar and they bring in all their fish from San Diego fresh every day. And I just, they have oysters. They're delicious. I love it. Oh, I love hearing about people's um, favorite restaurants. Cause it's like <laughs> all, all over the world. I'm like, okay, keep that, keep that but in I mind. Also, I just love going out to eat is like a hobby of mine. So like, I love all restaurants pretty much. <laughs> yeah. Love it. So you've done some traveling too. What's your favorite travel destination that you've been to? Um, Oh, that's a really great question. Honestly, like I, Naples, Florida, I would say, um, there's lots of other places I've been to that are amazing. Uh, I just went to the Bahamas twice this year and I do love, I do love the Bahamas, but I've been going to Naples, Florida since I was in my mom's belly, literally like every year of my life. And it's just really sentimental to me. Um, my family, I grew up there going there with my family and I think it's one of the most beautiful places in the country. So that's my favorite. Um, but I've never gone to Hawaii and I think we're going to go there for my honeymoon this year. And that might become the top one. We'll see. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. What are your non-negotiable health practices? Um, breakfast for sure. Water. (laughs) Uh, but I think filling up my cup every day, or at least five times a week. Cause let's be honest, some days I can't, I'm human. Um, but I think filling up my cup in whatever way that looks like for me, whether it's taking a walk, going on a workout, journaling, prayer, meditation, spending time with God, um, all those things really help me feel fuller, um, with myself. So that's a non-negotiable because if I don't do those, then I become mindless and overwhelmed and my life kind of just gets out of control. <laughs> mm-hmm. What is the happiest moment of your life? Oh, that is a good question. Wow. I'm stumped here. I would say like getting engaged, but I feel like that's cliche and I, I kind of knew it was coming a little bit. So, um, I do feel like though the week after we got, I got engaged to my fiance last year, we're getting married in like two months. Um, and we did go to the Bahamas after we got engaged. And I think like that day we got there and like, we were just able to like, kind of like realize what was happening. Like we were engaged and like, we have this vacation to spend with each other. Like I remember like sitting on the balcony and just feeling full and happy. 
Oh, that's wonderful. That's so <laughs> wonderful. And what advice would you like to leave our listeners with in regard to their health? Um, I would like to say to listen to yourself, start tuning into your own body and don't, don't take everything on the internet so seriously. And like, you need to be doing it. And remember, we're all unique individuals and everything is going to work differently for everyone. So just really focus in on what's working for you rather than what the whole world is telling you to do. Mm, Love that. Where can people find you? Um, you can find me on Instagram at underscore Taryn Shank. You can find me on TikTok at dot Taryn Shank. I'm on Pinterest. Um, and my website is thoughtfullythriving.com where I have all the information on my coaching practice and all of that kind of stuff. So multiple places. <laughs> Give a little plug to your coaching program that you have coming up. Oh yeah. So my girlfriend and I are launching a program called coaching for health coaches. We have both, uh, built successful full-time health coaching businesses online, and we are helping new or aspiring health coaches do the same. And that's starting March 29th. Um, it's a six week program and we're really going to just help health coaches who have gone through programs and they're struggling with imposter syndrome or not sure where to start, not sure how to tell their story, show up online or find their niche. We're going to help them figure all that out with our secrets. And, um, yeah, so that's what we're doing in a couple of weeks. It's been really exciting to launch that. So if you guys want to join, um, find me on Instagram and click the link in my bio. (laughs) Wonderful. Awesome. Well, it was just so nice. You're such a breath of fresh air. It's so nice having you on the show. Thank you so much for coming on. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It was so great to connect with you. I had a great conversation and it was great to get to know you more too. Yeah. All right. Well, you take care, Taryn. All right. You too. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. I hope you gained better insight into how you can be the healthiest version of yourself that you can be. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe to the show and please leave me a review. You know, your reviews are what get this podcast out there and it would mean the world to me if you left one. You can also follow me on Instagram at underscore Lena, L-E-N-A, underscore Jade, J-A-D-E, where I post nutrition, psychology, and health content pretty much every day. All right, well, that is it for today. Stay tuned for the next episode. And as you go throughout your day today, always remember, you are powerful over your health.